so I very much doubt that he'll put together a group to force the army into line. Well, I suppose that sounds like him, but that does mean that there's a limit to what we can do about this. Carrito leaned over to sip his tea, brows furrowed, when he said Denley raised his head and looked to the church's entrance. Someone's coming. Just one person. Oh? Another guest, I suppose. Just as Sasha spoke, there was a rapping at the door that echoed through the chamber. Sasha strapped her dagger to her waist and Carrito followed, just in case. A few moments later, they returned with a tall woman. Her long silver hair was tied into a ponytail, and the sky blue. Eyes in the middle of her sharp, slender features blazed with a memorable light. She seemed to exude intelligence. Hairstyle and eye color were customizable in SAO, but given that the facial features of virtually every player were of Japanese ethnicity, few could pull off a look with such striking color. Choices Asuna herself had tried out cherry pink hair for a brief period before she had to ashamedly return to brown. She never brought up that sorry experiment to anyone else. Asuna's initial reaction was to marvel at the visitor's grace and beauty, but she turned tense when she noticed the woman's armor. Partially concealed by her steel-gray cape was a deep green tunic and pants with a relaxed upper half, accented by dully gleaming stainless steel armor, the uniform of the army. There was a short sword on her right hip and a coiled black leather whip. On her left, the children all fell silent as they noticed her clothes, their gazes wary. Sasha gave them a reassuring smile. She's all right, children. Continue your breakfast. At a glance, Sasha didn't seem like the most dependable person, but the children had absolute trust in her. They relaxed and returned to their noisy eating. Sasha showed the woman over to the small table and pointed out a chair. She bowed and sat down. Asuna was unsure of what was happening, and she shot a questioning look at Carrito. He answered as he returned to his seat. Um, this is Uriel. She wants to speak to us. The silver-haired woman called Uriel turned her gaze on. Asuna and bowed. It's nice to meet you. I'm Uriel, and I belong to the elf. Elf? Asuna had never heard this designation. The woman nodded. Oh, I'm sorry. It's short for Ankrad Liberation Force. It's a wordy title to say in full, so. Uriel's voice was a luscious, relaxed alto. Asuna had always felt her own voice was too squeaky and childish, so this only added to her envy. It's nice to meet you, too. My name is Asuna, and I'm from the Knights of the Blood, well, I'm actually on temporary leave at the moment. This is Yui. Yui had taken her time emptying out the soup bowl and was now working on her fruit juice. She looked up and concentrated on the newcomer. She tilted her head a bit, then smiled and returned to her task. Uriel's sky-blue eyes had gone wide when she heard the name of the guild. The cob, no wonder you were able to dispatch them so easily. Asuna realized that she was referring to the thugs from yesterday, and her hackles raised anew.
Does that mean you're here to take issue with what we did? No, not at all. The opposite, in fact, I want to thank you. Asuna and Carito sat in silent confusion. Uriel turned to them. And straightened herself formally. I came to make a request of you too. A request? She nodded, her silver hair waving. That's right. Allow me to. Explain. The army did not always have this title. The current. Army moniker, the ALF, wasn't official until a former sub-leader. Of the guild, a man named Kibu, seized the reins. Our original. Name was the MTD Guild, have you heard of that? Asuna hadn't, but Kurito answered immediately. That's short. For MMO today. It was the biggest website in Japan covering online games. And the manager of the site organized that guild. But. I thought his name was. Thinker. Uriel's face blanched slightly as she spoke the. Name. And he did not want to create the heavy-fisted organize tie-in that the army is today. He only wanted to share resources. Such as food and information equally among all players. Asuna had heard stories about the army's ideals and subsequent collapse. The idea was good, fighting monsters and safe. Groups for stable income, then sharing that money equally, but at heart, MMORPGs are a battle over system resources, and just because SAO put players in an extreme situation did not change that fundamental truth. In fact, it only accentuated it. To make good on that ideal required the organization to have a realistic size and considerable leadership, and the guild was simply too large for that to happen. Looted items were kept off the ledgers, players were purged, others fought back, and the guilds. Leaders slowly lost control. And that's when a man named Kibu emerged, Uriel said, her voice pained. He took advantage of Thinker's hands-off AP approach to gather like-minded officers in his push to strengthen the organization. That's when the guild's name was changed to the Inkrad Liberation Force. Their first step was to make it policy to hunt criminals and control the most efficient fields in the wilderness. Until that point, we'd played nice with other guilds and OB served proper farming manners, but with the power of numbers, we could control areas for long periods of time, increasing our income dramatically. As a result, Kibu's faction only gained more influence. These days, Thinker is more of a figurehead than anything else, now Kibu's people are getting carried away and undertaking extortion inside the town under the guise of attacks. Those were their foot soldiers you stopped yesterday. Uriel paused to take a sip of Sasha's tea. But Kibu's faction had a weakness of their own. They focused so much on accumulating resources that they completely ignored the progress of the game. They'd put the cart before the horse. The average player within our guild began to point out the fallacy of this strategy, so, Kibu took a wild gamble to quell the unrest. He organized a group of a dozen or so of the highest level players in the guild and sent them to raid the latest boss. Asuna couldn't help but glance at Carito. The memory of fateful Corvats and his army team's ill-prepared attempt at Gleamize, the boss of the 74th floor, was still fresh in their minds. High level or not, 
it's undeniable that our best fighters do not match up to you advanced clearers. Ultimately, our party was defeat, the captain was killed, and Kibu was excoriated for his reckless gamble. We might have succeeded in kicking him out of the guild, but the narrow bridge of Uriel's nose wrinkled, and she bit her lip. Three days ago, his back to the wall, Kibu set a trap for Thinker. He set up a corridor crystal to exit deep in a powerful dungeon and succeeded in getting Thinker to walk through it. Thinker went in unarmed, believing he and Kibu were simply going to have a man-to-man discussion, and as a result, he was stranded in the deepest part of the dungeon with no means to fight his way free, nor any teleport crystals. Th three days ago. Then he's. Asuna asked reflexively. Uriel gave a slight nod. His name has not appeared on the Monument of Life yet, so. We think he managed to reach a safe haven. But it's a very high-level dungeon, and he apparently can't work his way free. As you. No, there's no way to send him a message within the dungeon, and he cannot access the guild's item storage from there, either. There's no way to get a teleport crystal to him. Arranging a corridor crystal to exit into certain death was a tried-and-true method of murder known as portal piking, and Thinker must have been aware of the practice. They might have been at odds, but he'd never expect another officer in his own. Guild would go to such lengths. Or perhaps he just didn't want to think his comrade capable of such a thing. As though reading Asuna's mind, Uriel muttered, he was Al-Dash. Ways too nice for his own good. She continued, the contract scroll is an item that signifies the guild leader. Only Thinker and Kibu can control it, so if Thinker never comes back, the guild personnel list and finances will be entirely under Kibu's control. As Thinker's aid, it is my Fault that I could not prevent him from falling into that trap and my responsibility to rescue him. But the dungeon he is trapped inside is too difficult for me to conquer at my current level, and I cannot rely on the help of other army members. She bit her lip hard, looking straight into Corrido and Asuna's eyes. When I heard that an incredibly powerful pair of fighters had just come to the city, I couldn't resist the temptation to call upon you, Mr. Carido, Miss Asuna. Uriel bowed deeply, formally, to both of them. I fully understand how presumptuous this must sound of me, but could I ask that you assist me in rescuing Thinker? She stopped, her lengthy story concluded. Asuna gave Uriel a scrutinizing look. It was sad to say that within SAO, trusting the word of others was impossible. Even now, they couldn't deny that this might be a plot to draw Corrido and Asuna out of the safety of town to do them harm. Normally, if one maintains an adequate knowledge of the game they're playing, a con artist story will eventually tip its hand, but Asuna and Corrido were far too ignorant of the army's inner workings to know if this tale was true or not. After a quick glance at Corrido, Asuna reluctantly spoke up. I'd like to help you, if there's anything we can do. But for us to commit to that, we'll need to do a minimum of research to back up your story. That is, natural, of course. 
Uriel nodded. I'm aware that. I'm asking the impossible of you. But the thought of Finker's name being crossed out on the Monument of Life in Black Iron Palace at any moment is driving me to my wit's end. When Asuna saw the silver-haired woman's proud eyes mist up, her suspicion was shaken. I want to believe her, she realized. But at the same time, two years of experience in this virtual world were blaring a warning alarm not to let emotion cloud her judgment. She glanced at Carito, who seemed to be conflicted as well. His pensive black eyes reflected a heart that was torn between the desire to help Uriel and a concern for Asuna's well-being. At that moment, Yui, who had been keeping silent, raised her face from her cup and said, It's okay, Mama. She's not lying. Asuna was taken aback. Not just at the content of Yui's statement, but at the proper form and structure of it, in comparison to the halting pigeon of the previous days. Why you can tell, Yui? Asuna inquired, closely. Yui nodded. Yeah. I can't, explain, but I can tell. Carito shot out a hand to scrunch Yui's hair affectionately. He looked to Asuna and grinned. I'd rather trust and regret than doubt and regret. Let's do it. I'm sure it'll work out. You never have a care in the world, do you? Asuna shook her head in exasperation, but added her hand to Yui's head. I'm sorry, Yui. We're going to have to put off finding your friends for a day. Hope you don't mind, she murmured. Asuna wasn't sure if Yui really understood it, but the little girl beamed and nodded happily. She stroked that smooth black hair once, more and turned to smile at Uriel. We'd love to lend you our aid, meager as it is. I certainly understand the feeling of wanting to save someone who means a lot. To you. Uriel bowed deeply, her blue eyes brimming with tears. Thank you, thank you so much. Let's say the thanks for after we've rescued Thinker. Asuna. Grinned again. Sasha had been watching the entire conversation. In silence, but now she clapped her hands together. Well. Now that that's settled, it's time to eat up. There's. Plenty left, don't be shy. You too, Uriel. The weak light of early winter filtered through the deeply colored. Branches of the town's trees, to cast pale shadows on the cobblestones. Very few people passed through the back alleys of the town of beginnings, which, in contrast to its massive size, only made it seem colder. The group was fully armed now. Asuna and Carito, who was on Yui carrying duty, followed Uriel's brisk lead through the town. Asuna had naturally wanted to leave Yui with Sasha while they handled this business, but Yui stubbornly insisted on going along, so they had no choice. Their pockets were stuffed with teleport. Crystals, of course. If it came down to it, cruel as it might be to Uriel, they were prepared to cut their losses and flee at any moment. Oh, now that you mention it, I forgot to ask about the most important thing, Carito called out to Uriel. What floor is the dungeon on? This one, she responded flatly. Asuna was perplexed. This, one? There's a large dungeon here, 
beneath the center of the town. Of beginnings. I suspect that thinker is trapped down at the bottom of it. You're kidding, Carito groaned. There was nothing like that. During the beta test. I can't believe I missed it. The entrance to the dungeon is in the basement of Black Iron. Palace, the headquarters of the army. I believe it's the kind of dungeon that only becomes available once a certain stage has been reached in the upper floors. We only discovered it after. Kibu had seized control, and he plotted to have his faction and monopolize its resources. He kept it a secret from Thinker and me. For quite a while. I see. Fresh dungeons always have rare items that only pop. Once, then never again. They must have made quite a tidy profit. From that. Actually, it seems that wasn't the case, Uriel said, slightly. Pained. For a dungeon on the starting floor, it's extremely difficult and dangerous. The average monster in there is on par with. Foes from at least the 60th floor and up. Kibu's advance. Party was badly overmatched, and they needed an emergency. Teleportation just to make it out alive. They used so many crystals, that the cost of the expedition far outweighed the reward. Haha, <laughs> serves them right. Uriel returned Carito's chuckle with a smile, but her expression darkened again right away. But that just means that saving Thinker will be that much. Harder. Kibu set the marker for that corridor crystal's destinate dash. Tying deep in the dungeon when he was running for his life. That's where Thinker ended up when he traveled through the corridor. In terms of level, I can barely manage to beat the monsters in a one-on-one -on -one fight, so a series of them is out of the question. If you don't mind my asking, are you too capable of? Well, if it's equivalent to the 60th floor, I think we can handle ourselves. Asuna finished Carido's sentence. Delving into the 60th floor dungeon with a proper safety margin meant being at least level 70. Asuna was presently at level 87, and Carido was more than 90. They would probably be able to clear the dungeon while protecting Yui at the same time, a thought that relieved her. But Uriel still showed concern. All right, but, there's one other thing that worries me. AC according to one of the members of that advance party, there was a giant monster deep in the dungeon, a boss-level encounter. Asuna and Carido shared a look. Do you suppose the boss is also equivalent to the 60th? Floor? What was the boss on that one? I think, that was the armored samurai guy made out of. Stone. Oh, that one, it wasn't too tough, was it? They turned to Uriel and nodded. I think we'll be able to handle it. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Uriel finally allowed herself a smile, her eyes squinting as, though staring into something bright. So you've actually been through boss fights before, I'm so. Sorry to have taken your valuable time like this. It's okay, we're on leave now, Asuna hastily clarified. As their conversation went on, a massive, gleaming black. Structure came into view ahead. It was Black Iron Palace, the largest building in the town of beginnings. Right inside the front door was a chamber containing the Monument of Life, the epitaph that contained the names of all the players inside the game. 
Anyone was free to visit this entry chamber, but the army had complete control of everything beyond it. Uriel guided them not into the front entrance of the palace, but around the back. The tall castle walls and deep moat that kept out intruders were uniform around the length of the perimeter. Not a single soul passed them on the street. After several minutes of walking, Uriel stopped at a staircase. That ran from the street down to the surface of the moat water. Peering over, they saw that the stairs led not to the water's edge. But down into a dark hallway, cut into the stone slope. This leads to the sewers beneath the palace, which is where we'll find the entrance to the dungeon. I'm afraid it's rather dark. And cramped, she trailed off, glancing with concern at Yui, still. In Carito's arms. Yui grimaced and piped up, affronted. I'm not scared. Asuna couldn't help but giggle. The only thing they'd told Uriel about Yui was that she was living with them. Uriel didn't pry any further, but she was clearly uncertain about bringing the girl into a dangerous dungeon. Asuna hastened to reassure her. Don't worry. She's much tougher than she seems. Yep. She'll be a great warrior one day, Kirito added, laughing. As he met Asuna's glance, Uriel nodded in satisfaction. Let's get going, then. Nua. The sword in his right hand slashed straight through the monster Riaya. The sword in his left knocked it flying. In his first use of dual blades, in quite some time, Kirito was unleashing on their hapless foes all the pent-up energy that had accumulated during his vacation time. There was no room for Asuna, who was holding Yui's hand, or Uriel and her metal whip. Each time they met a group of giant frogs with slimy skin or crayfish with massive gleaming pincers, Kirito rushed forward with reckless abandon, his swirling limbs creating a gale of destruction that decimated everything in its path. Asuna could only sigh in exasperation, but Uriel's eyes and mouth were gaping as she witnessed Carito's berserk performance. It must have been a sight completely beyond her experience in battle. Yui's cheerful chance of good luck, Papa only, made the scene more comical. A few dozen minutes had passed since they'd entered the black stone dungeon from the dark, dank sewers. It was larger, deeper, and more populated with monsters than they'd expected, but thanks to Carito's game-breaking dual blades, the two women weren't tired in the least. I, I'm sorry. Now it feels like I'm just having you do all the dirty work, Uriel muttered apologetically. Asuna grinned. Weakly. No, trust me, he's just sick. Let him get it out of his system. Wow, that was mean. Carito's ears pricked up as he returned. From slaughtering his latest batch of victims. Want to switch? Places, then? In a little bit. Asuna and Uriel looked at each other, grinning. The silver-haired whipmaster waved a hand to bring up her. Map and pointed out the flashing friend marker that indicated. Thinker's location. Because they didn't have the map for the Dungeon, the space between them and Thinker was blank, but they'd already covered at least 70% of the distance. Thinker's location has not moved for several days. I believe. 
he's inside a safe area. If we can just reach him, we'll be able to teleport him out. Thanks for your help. We're almost there. Carido hurriedly waved his hands in supplication when Uriel bowed to him. And no, really, I'm doing it for the fun of it. Plus, and no, really, I'm doing it for the fun of it. Plus there are the items. Oh? Asuna spoke up. Find anything worthwhile? Yep. Carido quickly zipped through his menu and soon, a reddish-black chunk of meat appeared with a splat. Asuna pulled away. From the grotesque blob. Ugh, what is that? Frog meat. They say the grossest stuff can be the tastiest. Sometimes. Can you cook it for me? You. No way, she screamed, opening her own window. She. And Carido shared an inventory, and she quickly scanned it until she found an entry labeled Scavenged Toad Meat X24, then dragged it into the trash icon. What? No. Carido's piteous wail sent Uriel, doubling over, clutching her stomach with laughter. Yui piped up in that instant, beaming. Happily. She finally laughed. Asuna thought back and realized it was true. Yui's spasms, yes, her day had happened just after they'd driven off the army soldiers and brought the children to laughs and cheers. It was as. Though the little girl was especially sensitive to laughter, somehow, did it have something to do with her original personality, or? Had her trauma done this to her? Asuna lifted Yui up and hugged. Her tightly. She swore that she would give the girl as many laughs. As she could take. Let's keep moving. And farther into the depths, they went. When they'd first entered the dungeon, most of the monsters. They had encountered were aquatic creatures, but the deeper, they. Delved, the more undead they ran across, zombies, ghosts, and. The like. Those sent a chill through Asuna's chest, but Carido's too. Swords instantly sent the spirits to an eternal rest. Normally it was considered poor behavior for a player to rampage freely through an area below his or her recommended level, but with no one around to offend, they were free to do as they pleased. If time had permitted, Asuna might have suggested Al Lowing Uriel to play a supporting role so that she could gain valuable experience and level up, but Thinker's Rescue was their primary goal. Two hours passed in a blink, and in that time the distance between their location and the potential safe area where they would find Thinker was closing slowly but steadily. After the umpteenth, black skeleton warrior had fallen to Carito's blades, they spotted a corridor filled with warm, inviting light. Aha! The safety zone! Asuna cried. Carito ran a search skill. Check and nodded. There's one player inside. It's green. Thinker. Uriel leaped forward, her metal armor clanking, unable to hold herself back. Carido and Asuna hurried after her, swords and Scion still clutched in their hands. They ran down the hallway toward the source of the light, curving to the right until they reached a large intersection. A small room was visible on the other end of it. The room's light was nearly blinding after their eyes had been so accustomed to the gloom of the dungeon, but they could see a man standing inside it, 
the backlight prevented them from seeing his face, but he was waving his arms at them wildly. Uriel! He shouted as soon as he recognized her. Uriel returned his wave and began running faster. Thinker! The tears were audible in her voice, but his next scream drowned her out. Stay back! The corridor is... Asuna warily slowed her pace, but Uriel did not hear him. She was racing directly for the lit room. The next instant, a single yellow cursor appeared from the right side of the blind intersection, just a few meters before the safe room. Asuna quickly checked the name that appeared, the fatal scythe. It was a unique name, with a definitive, the, before it, the mark of a boss monster. Uriel, stop. Come back, she screamed. The yellow cursor slid left, approaching the intersection. It was going to collide with the woman. They had only a few seconds left. KSH. Suddenly, Carido, who had been running ahead at Asuna's left, vanished, or so it seemed. But he'd actually sped forward with blinding speed, a shockwave rattling off the walls. He practically blinked across the remaining meters, grabbing Uriel from behind with his right hand and plunging his left hand. Soared into the paving stones. There was an enormous metal. Screech. Sparks flew. They'd stopped just before the open intersection, so quickly, that the air practically burned. In the next instant, a massive black shadow rumbling past crossed that empty. Space. The yellow cursor shot about ten meters down the left corridor. Before stopping, the unseen creature slowly turned around and appeared to ready itself for another charge. Carido let go of Uriel and pulled his sword from the stones before taking off down that left branch. Asuna hurried after him. She helped the dazed Uriel to her feet and pushed her across. The intersection then plopped Yui into Uriel's arms. Take her into the safe area with you. The whipmaster nodded, her face pale, then picked up Yui and headed for the light. Satisfied, Asuna drew her rapier and turned back to the left corridor. Before her was Carido's back, his two swords drawn. Beyond him was a large, vaguely human silhouette in a tattered black robe, hovering two and a half meters tall. The inside of the hood and the arms extended from the sleeves were squirming with a dense darkness. Two bulging, bloodshot. Eyes were visible within a sunken, darkened face, and they were trained directly on the humans below. The creature clutched a large black scythe in its right hand. Viscous red drops hung from the vicious curve of the weapon. It was the very image of the grim reaper. The reaper's eyeball swiveled to stare at Asuna. A dread chill ran through her entire body, as though her heart had been gripped by terror's hand. It can't be that dangerous from a statistical perspective, she told herself. But as she readied her rapier, Carido's ragged voice sounded from up front. Asuna, go back to the others in the safe area and teleport them out of here at once. Huh, this one's bad news. 
I can't even see its data with my identify cation skill. I think it has to be ranked for the 90th floor or above. Asuna swallowed hard, her body stiffening. As they talked, the Reaper began weaving its way through the air toward them. I'll buy us time, now go. And no, you have to come with us. I'll be right behind you. Hurry. Even a teleport crystal, the last line of defense, is not an infallibly tool. The process takes several seconds, from holding the cry's towel to indicating a destination to the completion of the teleport tie-in. If a monster hits the player before it finishes, the process is cancelled. This inability to complete teleportation is a common cause of death when a party's discipline breaks down and MEM bears attempt an emergency escape. Asuna was torn. If she turned back and helped the others escape, Carito's legs were fast enough that he might be able to find an opportunity to turn and reach the safe area on his own. But the monster's initial charge was frightfully quick. What if she made it out and he never reappeared? The thought was unbearable. Asuna glanced quickly down the right-hand corridor. I'm sorry, Yui. I promised we'd stick together. Uriel, take Yui and teleport out of here, she shouted. Uriel shook her head, her face frozen in horror. No, I can't. Hurry. In the next moment, the Reaper, its scythe held at the ready, plunged forward with terrible speed, dark miasma spilling from its sleeves. Carito crossed his swords before him, standing tall in front of Asuna. She clung desperately to his back, adding her rapier to his dual blades. The Reaper gave no thought to their weapons, swing ing its massive scythe down at their heads. A red flash. A shock wave. Asuna felt herself spinning round and round. She struck the floor, bounced up to smack against the ceiling, then crashed to the stones again. Her breath stopped. Her vision darkened. In her daze, she checked their HP and saw that both had been knocked to less than half by that single hit. The unfeeling yellow bar told her that she wouldn't survive the next such attack. I have to stand, but my body won't move. But the next instant, she heard little tapping footsteps. Asuna glanced toward them with a start and saw someone running toward them like a clumsy kitten unaware of the peril it approached. Fragile limbs. Long black hair. But Yui was supposed to be back in the safe area. She looked up at the giant reaper without an ounce of fear in her eyes. No. Get out of the way. Carito screamed, desperately trying to raise himself off the ground. The creature was slowly raising its heavy scythe again. If Yui was caught in its wide swing path, her HP would certainly be wiped out entirely. Asuna tried to shout, too. Call out a warning, but her mouth was frozen. In the next moment, however, something impossible happened. It's all right, Papa, Mama. Yui's body floated up into midair. She didn't jump. It was a graceful motion, as though she were beating invisible wings, until she came to a stop two meters off the ground.
Her right hand, so very tiny, was raised up high. No, no, Yui. You have to get out of here. But Asuna's scream was drowned out by the reaper's massive scythe, which came mercilessly downward with a visible trail of reddish-black light. As the wickedly sharp point came into contact with Yui's pure white palm, it met a brilliant purple barrier and bounced back with a massive blast. Asuna stared with astonishment at the system tag that floated around Yui's hand. Immortal object. A designation for in-game elements that could not be killed, an impossible status for a player. The Black Reaper's eyes bulged and swiveled as though baffled by this unexpected outcome. The next moment, something even more shocking occurred. With a flum, crimson flames swirled around Yui's outstretched hand. They burst outward for a moment before contracting into an elongated rectangular shape. Within moments, the shape had refined itself into a massive blade. A gleaming edge. Materialized within the flames, extending, extending. The sword in Yui's little hand easily eclipsed her own height. The dank corridor was lit by the gleam of the blade, like a metal, just before it melted. Yui's thick winter clothes burned away in an instant, as though enveloped in the blade's fire. Beneath those charred remains, she was wearing her original white one-piece dress. Mysteriously enough, both the dress and her long black hair showed no signs of being affected by the flame. The giant sword, longer than she was tall, rotated once. And without a moment of hesitation, Yui plunged toward the Black Reaper, her blade tracing a path of fire. The boss monster was only a system procedure, acting on SIMPLE algorithms, but it seemed as though those bulging, bloodshot eyes were filled with fear. Yui rocketed through the air, clad in a vortex of flames. The Reaper held its scythe in front of itself, taking a defensive posture. As though it feared the tiny girl. Yui met it head-on, swinging her. Enormous, blazing sword. The fiery blade connected with the horizontal hilt of the scythe. For an instant, both figures stopped. But Yui's sword immediately returned to life. As though cutting through solid metal with impossible heat, the glowing weapon slowly bit through the scythe, Yui's hair and dress, and the reaper's robe were blown backward so powerfully they threatened to rip away. Occasional spark clouds, bursting to life, lit the dim dungeon in harsh orange light. Eventually, the reaper's scythe went boom and split cleanly. In two. An instant later, the pillar of fire that was Yui's weapon smashed directly into the boss's face, unleashing all of its pent-up energy. HNG. Asuna and Kurito had to narrow their eyes and cover their faces at the power of the ensuing fireball. At the same time that Yui brought down the blade vertically, the fireball burst, enveloped ING the massive creature in a crimson whirlpool that carried it down the hallway. Behind the roar of the blast was the dying screech of the monster. When they opened their eyes again, the boss was gone. Tiny. Flames licked the stones here and there, sputtering remnants of the prior inferno. In the midst of all that stood Yui, head down. 
Her blade was resting on the ground, point down, melting back. Into flames, the way it had materialized. Asuna finally found the strength to lift herself up, getting to her feet with the aid of her sword. Moments later, Kurito stood as well. They took a few wobbling steps to the little girl's side. Yui, Asuna croaked. Yui turned to her without a sound. The tiny lips were smiling, but those big black eyes were brimming with tears. Yui looked up at Asuna and Kurito and softly spoke. Papa, Mama, I remember everything. The safe haven in the deepest stretch of the dungeon beneath. Black Iron Palace was a perfect square. There was only one entrance, and a polished black cube pedestal sat in the middle of the room. Asuna and Kurito silently stared at Yui, who was seated on top of the stone. Uriel and Thinker had already teleported out, so it was just the three of them. Yui was silent for several minutes after announcing that her memory had returned. She looked sad for some reason. After a long while, Asuna overcame her hesitation and spoke up. So, Yui, you remember everything? About what happened to you? She was still face down, but the little girl eventually nodded. Her tiny lips opened, her face still caught between a smile and tears. Yes, Kurito, Asuna, I will explain all of it. As soon as she heard those formal words, Asuna felt a terrible foreboding in her chest, the knowledge that something had come to an end. Yui's words slowly trailed through the square room. The world of Sword Art Online is controlled by an enormous computer system. That system is named Cardinal. Cardinal tweaks the balance of the game world of its own accord. It was designed in such a way that it doesn't need human maintenance. Two core programs work together to correct errors, and countless subprograms maintain every little thing in the world. Monster and NPC AI routines, drop balance of items and currency, everything is undertaken by programs under cardinal supervision. But there was one area that had to be left to human hands, truly stemming from the player's mental health. Such issues could only be solved by another human being, and to that end, several dozen staff members were supposedly hired to address this issue. GMs, Carito muttered. Yui, are you saying you're a game? Master? An Argus employee. Yui was silent for several seconds, then shook her head. But Cardinal's developers created another program, one that would allow the system to even address players' mental care. A program that would closely monitor the players' emotions. Through the nerve gear, then pay a visit to those who were experiencing severe problems, the Mental Health Counseling Program, MHCP-001, codenamed Yui. That was me. Asuna held her breath in shock. She couldn't immediately process what she'd heard. A program. You're, an AI, she gasped. Yui nodded, still. Smiling sadly, I've been given emotion simulation processes in order to make me more acceptable to human players. It's all false, even. These tears. Forgive me, Asuna. Large drops spilled from Yui's eyes and evaporated into points. 
of light. Asuna took a step toward Yui. She reached out to touch her, but Yui shook her head, as though saying she wasn't worthy of Asuna's comfort. Asuna squeezed out more words, still disbelieving. But, why didn't you have any memories? Is that even possibly for an AI? Two years ago, on the day this game began, Yui looked downward and began to explain. Even I do not know exactly what happened. Cardinal gave me an order I wasn't expecting. It told me not to interfere with any players whatsoever. Forbidden to interact directly, I had no choice but to sit back and monitor the player's mental health, nothing more. Asuna instantly understood that the unexpected order was a directive from Akihiko Kayaba, SAO's Supreme GM, but Yui would likely not possess any information about him. Even so, her young face was fraught with silent pain. The situation was about as bad as I could have expected. Nearly the entire player population was ruled by negative emotions, fear, desperation, rage. Some even fell into madness. And all I could do was watch them. My duty was to attend to their emotional issues as soon as possible, but I was prevented from doing so. Trapped in the contradiction of duties without rights, I self-destructed, errors piling up in infinite loops. In the quiet dungeon, Yui's frail voice was like the plucking of delicate silver threads. Asuna and Karito listened in silence. One day, in the midst of my usual monitoring, I noticed two players with vastly different mental parameters from the average values. Your brain waves were different than anything I'd detected before. Joy, peace, not only that, but something I could not identify. I had to keep monitoring you. Every time I came into contact with your conversations, a strange type of desire was formed within me, when such a routine should have been impossible, I want to be near them. I want to meet them. I want to speak with them, so I took a physical form at the system console nearest to your home and wandered in search of you. I was most likely in a shattered and fragmented state at the time, though. And that was within the forest on the 22nd floor. Yui nodded slowly. Yes. Karido, Asuna, I've always wanted to meet you. You can't understand how happy I was when I saw you in the forest, it's strange, isn't it? I shouldn't be able to think this way, I'm only a program. More tears spilled out, and her mouth clamped shut. Asuna was struck with an indescribable emotion. She clutched her hands to her chest. Yui, you really are an AI. You have true intelligence, she whispered. The little girl's tiny head inclined slightly. I don't understand what happened to me. Carito had been silent the entire time, but he stepped forward. Now, you're not just a program being manipulated by the system. Anymore, Yui. That's why you can put your desires into words. He said gently. What is your desire? I want, I want. She stretched her thin arms out wide to the both of them. I want to be with you forever, Papa, Mama. Asuna didn't even bother to wipe away the tears. She rushed. 
over to Yui and clutched her little body tight. We will be together forever, Yui. A moment later, Carito's arms enveloped the both of them. That's right, you're our daughter. Let's go home and live as a family forever. But within Asuna's arms, Yui shook her head. Huh. It's too late, she said. Carito pressed her for more information, confused. What do? You mean, too late? It was touching that stone that allowed me to regain my memory. She turned and pointed to the black cube that sat in the center of the room. When you sent me into the safe haven, I just happened to brush past the stone, and that's when I learned everything. It's not just a decorative object, that's a command console designed to give the GM's emergency access to the system. As though Yui's words contained some kind of command, sev dash. Aerial paths of light suddenly traced their way across the surface of the black stone. A soft hum sounded, and a pale hollow keyboard appeared, floating above the stone. I believe the boss monster was placed here to keep players away from this console. I was able to access the system through this terminal and generate an object eraser to delete the monster. When I made contact, the speech abilities that Cardinals or war-correcting processes had destroyed were restored in full, but it also means that after being ignored for so long, Cardinal is finally aware of me again. The core system is searching for my program at this very moment. It will consider me a foreign process. And delete me, I suspect. I do not have much time left, but, no. Isn't there anything we can do? Maybe if we leave this area. Yui simply smiled softly at their exclamations. Tears dripped. Down her pale cheeks, once again. Papa, Mama, thank you. We must part ways here. No. This can't happen. Asuna screamed, desperate. This is. Where it all starts. We're supposed to live together, as a family. All that time in the darkness and pain, never knowing when. The end might come, it was you two who kept me together, Yui. Said, staring right at Asuna. It was then that her body began to. Glow with a faint light. Yui, don't go. Kirito gripped her hand. Her tiny fingers softly squeezed his. But being with you meant that everyone had a smile, that. Was enough to make me happy. Please, take on my role, and help. Others be happy, too. Yui's hair and dress began trailing frail little drops of light, delicate as morning dew. They were slowly disappearing. Her. Smile grew transparent, her weight vanishing. No, Yui. You can't go. I'll never be able to smile without you. There. Yui smiled, wreathed in overflowing lights. Just before she disappeared, she reached out and traced Asuna's cheek. Smile, Mama. Asuna heard the voice inside her head, just as the lights pulsed. And burst outward. In the next moment, her arms were empty. Aya. Asuna slumped to her knees, unable to hold back the sobs. She. Crumpled over the stone floor, wailing like a child. The teardrops. She shed spilled onto the floor, mixing with the remains of Yui's. Light before they evaporated. 4. 
as though the cold snap from yesterday had never happened, a warm breeze brushed the grass. Drawn by the pleasant warmth, several birds were perched in the garden trees, watching the humans below with apparent interest. They'd moved a large table out into the spacious front yard of Sasha's church for an unseasonal garden party. Each time food was produced from the grill, as though by magic, the children cheered with delight. To think there was food in this world that could actually taste so good. Thinker, the highest-ranking officer of the army, was tearing into a soon special barbecue with a look of sheer bliss. Uriel Saturday next to him, beaming. On first meeting, she'd appeared to be in icy lady warrior, but seated next to Thinker, she had transformed into the image of a cheerful young wife. They hadn't had time to sit around and get a good look at Thinker with all the commotion yesterday. Now that he was seated across the table, they saw a gentle, good-natured man, quite at odds with his position leading a massive military guild. He was just a tad taller than Asuna, but quite a bit shorter than Uriel. His slightly pudgy build was clad in drab clothing, and he wore no armor at all. Uriel was not in her army uniform today, either. Thinker held up his empty glass to accept Carito's offer of more wine and inclined his head to indicate thanks. Asuna, Carito, you've done me an incredible favor here. I don't even know how to thank you. Trust me, I've gotten plenty of help from MMO today over the years. Carito grinned. There's a name I haven't heard in ages. Thinker's round face beamed widely. At the time, those daily updates were a huge burden. I used to think to myself, doing a news site ain't what it's cracked up to be, but I'd take it in a second now over running a guild. I should have just gotten into the SAO newspaper boosiness. The table echoed with laughter. So, what happened with the army? Asuna asked. Thinkers. Smile vanished. Kibu and his followers have been expelled, something I should have done a long time ago, my distaste for confrontation. Let the situation grow out of hand. I'm actually thinking of disbanding the army entirely. Asuna's and Carito's eyes widened. That would be quite a bold move. The army just got much too large for its own good. I'm think ING of dissolving it so I can build a more peaceful, cooperative organization. After all, it would be irresponsible to get rid of it and just abandon everything we worked for. Uriel squeezed Thinker's hand and continued for him. We're thinking of redistributing the army's resources, not just among the members, but among all the people here in this town. They've suffered because of us, after all, I'm so sorry about what happened to you, Sasha.